Let us pray. Gracious God, who loves us more than we can ask for or imagine, send your Holy Spirit to dwell here with us, so that only your word may be spoken, and so that only your word may be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Jesus is the incarnation of God in this world. And if God wants to do a new thing, God can do a new thing. And God does a new thing in Jesus. But this new thing that God is doing in Jesus is not a sharp break with the past. When God becomes incarnate in Jesus, God becomes incarnate in this deep and rich tradition. And Jesus is faithful to that tradition. We see that in the way he was raised. We see it in the only story we have from his childhood, when he's there in the temple engaging with the religious scholars. We see it in his regular attendance in synagogue that the Gospels tell us about, which is probably weekly. We see it in his rich prayer life between his weekly synagogue visits, which is probably daily. We see it in his regular visits to Jerusalem for the festivals and going to the temple. And we see it in his deep engagement with Scripture. Now, there is a rather new idea about Scripture. When I say new here, I mean maybe a couple hundred years old, that Scripture has a plain meaning, that you can just kind of look at the text and whatever it obviously says is exactly what it means. That's just very plain and simple there right in front of your eyes. And that all these methods of interpretation that other Christians have, that those are just too complicated and they, um, they get you away from, from what God's really trying to tell you in Scripture. Now, like I said, this is a very new concept, and it's not actually a very widely held idea about Scripture. Um, the vast majority of Christians around the world belong to an interpretive tradition um, th that is not the plain meaning of Scripture concept. This idea gets kind of a kind of an outsized uh, voice in American Christianity because um, more practitioners are here and they have a louder voice. Um, but, but it's not, when you look at the whole world, you look at most traditions, actually not even the majority of Americans hold this view of Scripture. Um, and then, obviously, throughout time, since this is a rather new idea, if you look for the first 1,700 or so years of Christianity, nobody held this view, that there's something just simply called the plain meaning of Scripture. All Christians before this time, and most Christians today, understand that Scripture has to be interpreted. And you see that very clearly whenever Jesus engages with Scripture, that he's engaged in questions of interpretation. My favorite story of Jesus interpreting Scripture is on uh, the time that Jesus and the disciples, on the Sabbath, uh, the disciples were out there picking grain in the field. And Jesus gets criticized for his disciples working on the Sabbath, um, which seems to be kind of a clear violation of the rules, of the laws of Scripture. And Jesus, Jesus has a different interpretation, and it's, it's definitely not plain meaning. It is actually a really rather creative and playful engagement with Scripture that he engages with here. Because while they're talking about Sabbath, Jesus says, yeah, but do you remember the story of David? 
And this has nothing to do with Sabbath. But that time that David went to the, the temple, went to the high priests, and he had his men with him, and they convinced the priests to give them the bread, the holy bread that was, was reserved only for the priests. And David was able to get that from them to feed his men. And that was a clear violation of the rules. But it was necessary in that moment because the guys were hungry and they needed to eat. And sometimes that eating trumps this other thing that needs, that seems to be so, so clear and obvious. And Jesus goes on to say, this is kind of like what's happening here. Again, this has nothing to do with Sabbath. But he's taking another story and he's unpacking it and he's showing how it is that it's relevant to this situation. Today's gospel reading is another example of, of Jesus engaging with questions of how to interpret scripture. A guy comes up to him and asks, what is the most important commandment, the most important teaching in scripture? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That comes from Deuteronomy. It's actually the reading we heard this morning. It's sometimes called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And heart, mind, and soul. The second part, love your neighbor as yourself, that part comes from the book of Leviticus. And um, these two parts, Jesus says, they are the greatest commandment. These two parts together. So a couple interesting things going on here. One is there's nothing in, in scripture that says, by the way, these are more important than others. Um, and he's taking two things and he's saying these are the greatest. What's the greatest commandment? He doesn't really exactly uh, just kind of fall into the trap of just answering that uh, one question. He says there's got to be more than one. It's these two. And these two are the most important. And so when you're gauging in scriptural interpretation, Jesus is saying these two kind of trump the others, right? There is no other commandment greater than these. If you do these two, then you should be fine. You can see in there the same idea that Jesus is getting at in that story of David, right? That there's something that's more important in the moment. In that case, that was people being hungry. It's really just, it's more important to feed somebody who's hungry than to follow uh, the, the letter of the law. Same kind of idea here. In fact, you can see this, that as kind of a version of this, that love is the most important thing. Love embodied in feeding the hungry, but love can be embodied in other ways. But loving God and loving neighbor are the most important uh, commandments that God has for us. Now, in Mark's version of this story, uh, he remembers Jesus saying these are more important than the others, that these are the greatest above the others. But when Matthew tells you this story, Matthew tells you to just a little bit differently. And he says, uh, after he says, what are the greatest commandments? Greatest, greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then Matthew goes on to have Jesus say, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. Slightly different, right? Mark says these are above the others. These are the greatest, right? So these all are important, but these are the greatest. 
for Matthew, Matthew's saying, on these two hang the others, right? So the way that is you understand these other ones is through love of God and love of neighbor. That love is the interpretive lens through which you read scripture. And so when you look at any other commandment, if you look at it in a way that is unloving, you got it wrong and you got to try again. Or as our presiding bishop loves to say, if it's not about love, it's not about God. Because God is all about love. That is the heart of Jesus' proclamation. The heart of what the kingdom of God, the reign of God is all about. It's all about love. Right? So he sums up the greatest commandment in terms of love. When he gives the new commandment in John's gospel, it's about love. When he explains what's going to happen on the cross, it's all about love. And we see his followers coming back to the same point in the book of Acts, when they're trying to decide what, which rules the Gentiles need to follow. The most important thing is love, love of neighbor. That, that's the important thing here. Paul says the same thing. That's what the most important commandment is. Paul says it's love of your neighbor. James, in his epistle, it's all about love. If, if you don't uh, feed the hungry, if you don't take care of the widow and the orphan, if you're not engaging in those acts of love in this world, then you're not really following Jesus and doing what it is that he asked of you. You see the same thing in First uh, John, for, uh, the epistle of First John, when it says that God is love. God is love. Therefore, if you do not love, if you do not act in love, if you do not know love, you do not know God because God is love. This is the heart of the gospel message, to love, to love God and to love your neighbor. When we read scripture, we should be reading it with that lens of love. Here, I got my lenses on, right? I got my glasses. They help me see. But the, the lenses I need when I read scripture is that lens of love to make sure I'm always reading it in terms of how does this help me love better in this world. Love is what Jesus keeps coming back to and keeps asking us to come back to. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Amen.